and a very good afternoon to you listeners right at five o'clock punctual guests this evening it's a hybrid show of sorts i have a live guest in the studio lee shenton who is going to talk all things state park and more if we had time to be sure and a little bit later in a, in a zoom fashion um leanne Hedgeberger, uh he's helped me yes will be joining us because there's a momentous occasion happening here in just weeks away actually very soon very exciting things usu campus of course as you can almost see it from the studios here if you kind of went up over the hill and see that beautiful campus they've started i'm going to talk a little bit about that too but i'm just going to jump right in my name is howard twenholm this is this week in moab the weekly chit chat so to speak with various members of our community and lee he could almost come on this side of the um, booth and just do it here because he's such a frequent member up here from his many hats over the many years now you've served our community and uh, maybe you can introduce yourself by giving a little prequel to what you did before you do now how's that right, uh, come on into that microphone there Lee. Get thank you Howard. Uh, appreciate you having me up here uh, I've been up here a few times I was the uh, liaison between the county and the Department of Energy's mill tailings project for nine and a half years uh, so obviously that was of interest to the community. Uh, I've been up here once to speak on behalf of the Moab Festival of Science, which we uh, thoroughly enjoy as scientists in the uh, community. Uh, I think this will be my first time uh, on air talking about the state park. It's still relatively new. Indeed it is, and what a wonderful world. Well, say I just, somebody's tuning in this afternoon, they say, what state park? You're talking about Dead Horse Point, aren't you? <laughs> No, actually, uh, Utah Raptor State Park is the newest state park in the state park system in the state of Utah. Uh, the idea first came up, to my knowledge, almost 30 years ago when the discoverer of Utah Raptor, Dr. James Kirkland of the Utah Geological Survey, now, not then, uh, found the first specimen of Utah Raptor in a quarry that's within the new state park boundaries called Dalton Wells Quarry and yes Dalton Wells Quarry is very close to the Dalton Wells World War II internment center so that will also be recognized by interpretive features of the new state park but uh, about uh, a year ago uh, state representative Eliason Steve Eliason district 45 I think it is uh, sponsored a bill to enable a new state park, Utah Raptor State Park. It had been pushed through on other occasions, but always failed for lack of money. Uh, in this case, it seems that if there is any bright side to the pandemic, it was the <laughs> a surplus of state tourism funds. And so uh, the state park system was the beneficiary in this case. Um, then in February of uh, about a year ago, uh, several of us in the uh, paleo community, I'm including myself as an amateur, but there were some authentic pros in that group too, were asked to speak on behalf of the state park at a committee meeting for the uh, state house, the representatives. We did that. Um, at that meeting, the vote was relatively close. As I recall, it was something like 14 to 11 in favor on the committee. 
And then uh, a few weeks later, we were asked to come back and speak to the uh, Senate committee. By that time, apparently, it was a done deal because they only had two of us come back, and they gave us an <laughs> entire one minute apiece to speak in support of the new state Due park. process. <laughs> Due process. Um, shortly after that, uh, the vote was, I think it was nearly unanimous, if it wasn't actually unanimous, on the Senate committee to enact the new state park. And then I think it was April that the governor signed the bill into law, and we um, locally have been working with the state parks folks ever since to help support that park. So. Well, that was a good introduction there, and I can't believe it's just been a little over a year. And that isn't, it isn't even a year since the governor signed his, you know, put Governor Cox yeah. put his signature on that bill to create the start park after 30 years. It took you, Lee. To get involved, you see, this is what happens, yeah. and a few others. I know there's a group of there's a there's a, a, a number of locals pushed for this pretty hard. Yeah. Just being at the right place at the right time, Howard. Um, uh, I, on behalf of a statewide nonprofit called Utah Friends of Paleontology, uh, cheap plug there. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, we uh, one nonprofit to another. Trust that's me, that's right. fine. Um, we wrote letters. Uh, in support of uh, passing that uh, law to enact the new state park. Um, and the reasoning in there was, number one, that Dalton Wells Quarry is a historic quarry, truly historic in quality and quantity. It was operated for almost 30 years by BYU, their paleontologists. Um, can you I, I just yeah. can you explain why it is so special? You know, just I don't think people yeah. here realize just how remarkable this area is, and within that yeah. layer is Dalton Wells. Oh, that's exactly right. The layer is called the Cedar Mountain Formation. It is early Cretaceous, which means in this case something in the neighborhood of 135 million years ago. You know, give or take a couple million. Uh, in human time span, that's a huge time, but in geologic time span, that's a tiny little slice. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons that park is so unique is because that layer actually is very extensive. It covers a lot more area than the new state park, but that particular quarry produced 10 different species of dinosaurs and almost 4,000, I'll call them specimens, every piece of bone and so on was a specimen. And yes, it is officially known as Utah Raptor State Park, but the insiders know that Utah Raptor was not the most frequently found dinosaur in that quarry. The most frequently found dinosaur was only named five years ago, uh, Moabosaurus. Moabasaurus. Okay. Can you can you describe that to our what would a Moabasaurus yeah. look like? Can you Moabasaurus is one of those great big uh, walked on four legs, huge long tail, long neck, eighty foot long creatures, wow. plant eater. Um, vegetarian. When I was learning about yeah, vegetarian certainly <laughs> was. Uh, when I was learning about dinosaurs, uh, they used to call something similar a Brontosaurus. Well. That has been uh, superseded by a number of different creatures because they've discovered there are so many. Can you paint another picture? 
Can you paint the picture of what it looked like for that dinosaur when it was look, when the Moabasaurus was getting hungry? What would, what did this place look like then? When yeah, it was uh, it was swampy. There were a rather large lake, uh, not immediately north, but uh, north and a little bit west of the new state park, uh, named Lake Carpenter in honor of a very well known paleontologist in the state. Um, the area at the time was swampy. Uh, there are a number of locations along the western slope of the ridge that separates the state park from arches that have very well-preserved fossilized footprints of those creatures. Uh, that's because um, it started swampy, but then as the environment does, it became temporarily pretty dry. And so the mud was sturdy enough to support a creature of that size walking across and leaving a footprint. Uh, now, Utah raptor. Uh, Moabasaurus was found at least 18 different uh, individuals. And in the paleontology world, you know you have an additional individual if you have, for example, more than one right thigh bone. <laughs> There's only one right thigh bone for, for a creature, us, and the dinosaurs. So if they found 18 of them, there were 18 at least of those. Wow. Uh, it turns out there were eight Utah raptors found. The very first one found was in that quarry. Um, and there was also a local favorite of ours, uh, a armored tank-like creature with a uh, spikes on the tail that's called Gastonia. Uh, think of it as a uh, about the size of a modern small pickup truck. So fierce. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it was a plant eater also, oh. and it was covered with spines and armor plate and what have you. Um, Prevent the carnivores from eating it, right? That's it. Prevent it from being lunch for the other big guys. So, <laughs> so let's um, let's flash fast forward because this is fascinating. Okay. Honestly, I could sit and listen to hours of discussions of what it was like here, hundreds, you know, millions of years ago. Yeah. But in 2022, what's going to be happening? Would you foresee this year? Yeah. With the park. Um, when they first started working on it, they thought it would be fairly quick land transfer because it was transfer of land between two different state agencies, and then a third one got involved. <laughs> uh, Funny how that happens. They, they do what they have to do, mm -hmm. and part of the bill to enact the new state park was uh, approving funding to purchase the land. So the state parks had to basically buy the land from Sitla, partially, <laughs> and uh, that took a little while to negotiate that. Uh, there was also a fairly extended negotiation on the exact boundaries of the park. So part of the park shares a boundary with Arches. Uh, there is what local people would recognize as the Willow Springs campground. It's not an official campground, but... Uh, in between arches and the new state park. Um, that brings me to another point about why a new state park was enacted. Uh, you and everybody else in town knows how popular camping is in this area. And camping out in that area was uncontrolled. 
Unfortunately, as it became more and more popular, it also became more and more contaminated. Yep. Uh, it had no um, restroom facilities. Uh, it had no established fire rings. Uh, the roads were there, but basically just a bladed dirt road, and so folks were driving wherever they wanted to, because after all, it looked like wasteland to them. And finally, from the paleontologist's point of view, us amateurs and the pros, that quarry had been vandalized repeatedly over the years. Uh, our nonprofit group actually has and has had for about six years now, uh, members going up there periodically to check and report vandalism. So by vandalism, we mean folks who are not pros up there digging around trying to get fossil pieces, you know, and then sell them however. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is uh, when such excavations are done without scientific controls, uh, you lose a lot of the scientific value and you could lose some very significant uh, fossil specimens. So, I mean, it's really like a museum up there. It's just not enclosed as such. I mean, it's such a rich yeah. area that it should be. So the reason the state park is a way, means to protect it in a way and preserve it for the yeah. future as well. Definitely is. That was one of our appeals. That is, uh, let's protect that quarry while we can. Mm -hmm. uh, let's make it safe for people to camp you know, uh, have some facilities that will not only benefit the visitors who want to camp, but also businesses in town. Uh, okay, that gives me an opportunity. Uh, there was a fund created. Uh, it was the brainchild of former council chair Mary McGann and former travel council director Elaine Gisler. Uh, once again, because there was money unspent in the uh, Travel Council's budget, they offered to match public donations up to $50,000. And Howard, thank you. <laughs> you are one of the more than 70 individuals, Modest. both local and donation, <laughs> who donated to that fund. There were also a dozen local businesses. Uh, our nonprofit donated a couple thousand dollars to the fund, and the idea was we were going to have a fund that was contributed by the people who enjoy Moab to show support for a new state park. Uh, not only that, but Grand County, the Travel Council, agreed to match dollar for dollar every uh, public contribution. And that means that earlier this year, they put in their $26,000 match, and we have a little over 50 grand that we can use to support the state park. We only asked state parks folks two things. One, let us contribute in a way that's visible, so not just an extra 50 feet of uh, paved road or something like that. Uh, and two, let us recognize the folks who contributed in some way in the visitor center. So they agreed with all that. Uh, we we're very happy to say that uh, with that contributed money, we have been able to commit to donating a replica of an adult Utah raptor skeleton. And also, we currently have beginning production stages of a custom discovery video that talks about 
the significance of that quarry and how the uh, Utah Raptor was discovered and named. Well, while you've gotten on the subject of money, being the Scotsman, I'm fascinated with money. I don't know what it is about me. And you've had this remarkable (laughs) um, effort to spearhead some early funds. But let me ask you this. I mean, you're going to still be fundraising for this project as it moves forward. How do people fundraise? You know, they say, I want to get in the game too and, and donate. How do people do that? I just want to kind of get that fundraising thing for you to... Yeah, uh, well, thank you. Um, if you know. What, uh, we haven't had to do any explicit uh, fundraising because the money started flowing in. As soon as we said there's a fund, it'll be matched dollar for dollar. <laughs> and what we're going to do with it, something that people can see, the visitors can see, and not, you know, like I said, an extra park bench or something like that. Um, the uh, way we have to donate right now is to just send a check made out to UFOP, which uh, the bank will accept. We've taken, like I say, 80 of them now. That stands for Utah Friends of Paleontology. The reason the donations are coming to us is because we're a 501c3, and for some folks it makes a difference whether there's a tax break or not mm-hmm. associated with their donation. So. Um, plus just the idea that the county is willing to match every dollar that's put in there. So bottom line, um, they have matched the first 26000 and change. Uh, they have committed to matching additional public contributions up until the match totals 50000 So we could take another 24000 and have another 48000 to use. So... What do you think is going to happen? I mean, when do you foresee the park? I mean, at least initially, when will people start seeing signs that things are changing there? That's maybe the best thing to ask. Yeah, good question. We ask the same thing. Um, One of the things that's going to happen is they're going to put an entrance road, not the one right now that goes right near the uh, Dalton Wells Quarry, but one farther south, which is going to have a much better line of sight for traffic because you've probably driven in there yourself, so have I. Um, Where the entrance is now is a little bit dicey if there's a lot of traffic coming the other way around that curve. Um, So that's one thing that they'll see pretty early on. Uh, The visitor center right now, they're saying, will be ready in February of 23. Wow. That was... uh, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's quick. It is 22 now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. in their world, that's very quick, actually. Phenomenal. So uh, another thing is that they will start uh, providing some facilities for campers. They have some ideas about how to do that. Um, but the bottom line is they want it to be safe for people to camp there. They don't want to have contaminated debris floating around or uh, fire pits or random two tracks across the desert and that kind of thing. So, Can I, And this will also, I just want to recognize this park. It's Grand County's first state of Utah park, is it not? That's right. A lot of us think that uh, Dead Horse Point is the Grand County Park. No, it's in San Juan County. It's just access to your ground, but <laughs> yeah. it is San Juan County yeah. Park. It's an, this is why it's an interesting distinction, why I'm very excited the state park's happening there, and not, not yeah. a lot of people know this. But the state park collects user taxes, like sales tax for the entrances, entrance fees. 
And if they were camping, they also collect transient room taxes. And the distinction is the federal government does not do that. So having the state operating a state park actually will fiscally benefit Grand County very yeah. modestly to begin with, obviously, but as yeah. things grow, you know, all the sales and entrance fees and et cetera, they add up, and it's a benefit, you know, and it can help mitigate some of the costs of tourism. Uh, it's too. a beautiful area. Now, granted, right where, you know, they're coming in, it looks pretty bleak. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a desert after all. Sure. But, boy, the views from around there are amazing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the park itself is going to encompass some very spectacular scenery uh, once it gets going. Um, another way that our nonprofit is supporting the state park is uh, we already have several of our members willing to volunteer their time to be basically a docent to explain the history of that, uh, the quarry. Uh, there you go. Um, we may very well get involved in helping out at the visitor center, you know, with folks. Uh, let's face it, the state parks are no more flush with employees than much of the rest of the world right now. Um, well, it's interesting with the university. I'm about to have a discussion with the yeah. university. That, too, will probably... T- I mean, I know BYU maybe wants to have, you know, some presence there because they were the they were the university that mined that or that um looked for fossils in that area yeah excavated yeah is that the correct term Uh, correct Uh, excavation um yeah uh mining and digging uh quote are what we'd like to avoid that has the implication of non-scientific excavation (laughs) and there is so much to be learned by keeping track of the layers that the fossils were found in, in which order they were deposited, what the nature of the surrounding soil was, uh, their relationship to each other. Um, I think the general public uh, saw a movie like Jurassic Park and said, uh, wow, there's a velociraptor. Well, no, velociraptor was about the size of a turkey uh, that creature that they portrayed as Velociraptor was actually based on Utahraptor. <laughs> so, let's um, jump into. I mean, obviously, the more modern. I mean, that's the ancient history of these lands. Yeah. But I mean, it's interesting too that that was the conservation camp. It was originally the CCC camp, right? The Conservation yep. Corps, yep. and then the Second World War broke out, and that's yeah. kind of a little bit of you know sad history in a way. It's like, but it's it's great that the state park's going to. Um, celebrate that history in a way and just at least bring remind people not only is it the right thing to do but uh, there were a number of our donors who said explicitly please make sure you recognize the internment camp you know don't uh, just ignore it because it's called Utah Raptor State Park it doesn't mean there aren't other features and things to be remembered within that boundary can you explain to those listening perhaps what it exactly was that don't maybe don't know the area or new to the area? Yeah, the, the internment camp you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I am not an expert. Uh, they enlisted the experts from Moab Museum to advise them on interpretive for that. But uh, what I remember is that from 1943 to 44, uh, certain members of the uh, Japanese American society were basically arrested and held in these camps and this was not the only one there were several around the country the idea being that uh, I guess 
in those days, uh, Japanese Americans weren't trusted as citizens, in spite of the fact they most definitely were citizens. Uh, fortunately, that only lasted a little over a year, but uh, what I've read about it is that uh, it was uh, basically reserved for members of that community who were considered to be, quote, troublemakers, unquote, so instigators or, you know, activists or what have you. Um, it's a sad part of our history, I think. Um, I know that we have a state representative, I believe, who uh, has that heritage and uh, has talked about it. Um, she voted in favor of the state park. <laughs> I'm not saying it was because of that reason only, but that was probably uh, helpful. Well, I'm hoping the state, I mean, it's great to see the local input, but we are, you know, a relatively small populace in yeah. a state of 3.3 million. I mean, there's, what, 5,000 in Moab, a relative thing. So, you know, yeah. dollar for dollar, what we raise is significant. And I just hope the state, you know, recognizes that impetus and proportionately um, donates, you know, you know, vis-a-vis -vis what we gave as a community. That would be a great gesture, and it would get it open sooner. Um, and. Yeah. It's a great location. It's interesting. We talked about this before going on, on the air because you actually mentioned uh, two things, the land it borders on and, you know, the road, which was the old entrance to the monument. And maybe dreaming down the line, perhaps that's a more developed access to both Arches and the park. It would be a win-win situation where people could exit Arches and at the same time enter the state park before getting back to 191 there in a safe place, which yeah. would, obviously I think the park might be interested in something like this as a long-term visioning for, you know, decongestion. Because yeah. we're not getting any quieter here, I don't think. Another long-term vision was actually promoted by, the, by Dr. Kirkland. He suggests that a weather protective structure be built around the site of the quarry. Uh, for those who have been um, up north, uh, well, anyhow, there's another structure similar to that uh, in what's now Jurassic National Monument. Uh, and um, I think that would be a good way to protect not only the site, but uh, further defense against poaching of yeah. uh, fossils out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. I've heard in Canada they have a similar site with remarkable finds and it is highly guarded. You know, it's, yeah. they really protect it because they realize what a rare and special resource it is. It's just, you know, that what's left over all these years is quite remarkable. And I hope we can educate our visitors to, you know, tread carefully in those areas because you're stepping on old bones in a way, yeah, right? That's, that's why our nonprofit exists. Well, thank you for all your work in doing this. And it's great to see this project moving forward. And I just hope it accelerates and gets there and uh, will knowing Moab it will be a, a tremendous asset to our community too. I think so too and thank you for having me. No thank, thank you for all your work it. and your group and your um, non-profit group that makes all this happen. It takes um, the magic of Moab I call it to make these things happen but we have a lot of it so we thanks do. for your time Lee and Mrs. Shem sitting quietly there. 56 years together these two what a what a great oh, testament to a wonderful couple. We're, we're very fortunate to have you as residents of our community, and we're very grateful that you stayed around after your um, federal project, yeah. <laughs> which is still ongoing, thankfully. It is. Moving at good speed, yeah, too. Thank you, Lee. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me, Leanne? 
Okay, just me, just, um, yeah, I got it now. Amazingly, I just realized the wrong button. I'm on a computer, but it's not the, it's a, it's a long story. Leanna Etchberger <laughs> is a very busy lady. She is, let, well, let, let you, um, why don't you introduce yourself again to our listeners out there, if they don't already Hi, know. Uh, my name is Leanna Etchberger, and I'm the Associate Vice President for the USU campus here in Moab. And... It was interesting, you know, the last two years, I mean, March 17th marks the start of the shutdown and really the pandemic in Moab, okay? And what was really interesting is as much as everything was kind of being very closing down, something quite dramatic was happening. Can you explain to the listeners what that was or is? That we were working on um, building a new building up at the top of Aggie Boulevard. Fantastic. And it looks absolutely amazing. Are you excited? I, I can't even tell you how excited <laughs> yeah. It's taken a long time to get to this. Can you maybe explain to the listeners? I mean, you've been on board for some time, but can you maybe even know a little bit of the history of even getting to where you are now? Just a little update, just a little history of... About me or the building? Well, a little bit of both. How's that? Yeah. So um, I was a... I've been with Utah State University for, I don't know, do the math, but 25-ish years. So I... in. July 1st, I will have been here in Moab in this role um, for five years. Um, and so I was a biology professor up at the UNA Basin campus in Vernal. Um, and I, you know, went through the ranks and I thought I'd be sort of interested to try some new skill, learn some new skills. And I came down here to um, be an administrator at this campus, which was an, which were new skills for me to learn. And um, it's been really fun. But one of the things when I came on my interview, um, it was very clear to me that this community, um, there were a lot of folks who really wanted that campus to be built. And I guess there had been a lot of starts and stops in the past. And so I just sort of got plopped into this um, process. And fortunately, there was a lot of groundwork laid, um, but it's been seriously like a, a, maybe a 30-year process to get to, to this point where we're going to be opening the doors to start classes in this new building. It's all history now, isn't it? Well, it's good history. I heard it was. I heard it was a bit of a pitch battle. Nobody could decide who wanted. I think all the my what I heard was that it was the College of Eastern Utah was here before it became part of USU, or it was. I don't know exactly. And what I under and Adrian Taylor from the Times Independent told me this. She said they both want to be here, and neither one of them wants to give up the Moab as a potential campus site. And when they, what really happened was USU was finally said okay, it's Utah State University is going to do this. So once all of that stuff had happened, then it kind of accelerated the project. And we have a brand new, because you mean you worked at the old city hall um, and the old buildings, downtown Moab, which were retrofitted for the university in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're really grateful for those buildings. I mean, the community helped USU Moab have those buildings, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, and we do great things in there. And I'm really proud of what we do in the education. I mean, you look, there's a lot of leadership in this community that were able to get their get degrees that help them move forward in their career paths and they're leaders in our community, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I'm really proud of what we do. And it's the it's the people that do the educating. And yet, you know, having a nice building that's built for what we want to do and um, also is, allows us to op expand our our opportunities with new facilities to do those things. Um, but for me, one of the, somebody asked me the other day is like, why do, what do we need a new building for? You know, cause I know people are concerned about development and concerned about water. Um, 
And I kind of have two responses to that. One of them is that, um, you know, hopefully with an, with an education facility, we can train a new generation who will care about climate change and educate about, figure out solutions with water, you know? Um, I, think it, it, I think it's a giving back kind of an institution. Um, but another thing that I think it, that I'm really excited about is, so all the time I've been here in the last five years, um, we, you know, we do, we have marketing and, you know, people know about USU Moab and folks come to us, but there's a lot of people who are not in our community who are not represented, right? And folks who, um, like 70% maybe of the high school graduates um, don't seek secondary education, at least not right away. Um, and so we're right here, right? And we have um, like 50 something degrees and certificates that you can get um, right here in town. And I think with a, a building that is, is less institutional and more welcoming, we're trying to make it really like a home for, for these students to maybe consider coming and you know, learning to be to weld or to get a degree to, you know, to be a nurse or to do something where they can give back to their community. Um, and so I, once this building's built, we're gonna do a lot of, you know, trying to make sure that all elementary schools have spent some time at the building so they feel familiar in there and it's not some, it, it's on a hill, but it's not a, an ivory tower, you know, that folks can come and we have extension non-degree programs for the general public. I mean, there's all kinds of, there's something up at that building for everyone. And I hope, I hope the community feels like it's theirs. And let's face it. I mean, for those that say, well, what about, you know, conservation? It looks like the building has been designed to be one of the most efficient possible. Now, I guess if you weighed against where you operate now and said, okay, let's just do apples and apples thing here. How does this building compare to where we were before? And without even looking, I know it's a vast <laughs> improvement, is it not? I mean, it's carbon footprint is smaller, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, so it's a net zero energy. We'll be making, as, <laughs> we'll be making as much energy with the solar. I don't know if it, the, the canopies are going up. I don't know if anybody's seen those. So we have parking canopies, so we'll have shaded parking, and on top of those canopies is our solar array. So we'll be making as much. Um, the plan is right. We have to be certified and show that that's that's all legit. But that we have, we'll make as much electricity as we consume. Sometimes we'll be consuming more. Sometimes we'll be producing more, and it should it should even that. We have to prove that we even out throughout a year. And I would imagine perhaps what will evolve in your schooling and education might be kind of a bent on towards that kind of life in the future that that is you're a resource to solving mm -hmm. the problems. That's what education does because it, it, it makes pe challenges people to come up with solutions. Yeah. And we're, we're actually working. We want to be sort of an education stop. Like, you know, if someday I'm imagining someday Moa would be kind of a, um, a sustainability tourism maybe right to come and sure. see because we're a very green community and has, we have to consider a lot of things you know native plants um water conservation energy um, and not only can we maybe educate folks about these things but have people come and visit our um we'll have educational signage on some of the cool stuff in the building like come and see the um we have bird friendly glass so the birds aren't gonna i mean we did we worked really hard to make it be a real um we want to be a role model in in building and and what can be done to be responsible and um, well, what's and also what's also remarkable is your classroom is basically this public land that we have yep. which encapsulates 
Wow. I mean, geology. Well, I mean, I, I see how many geology schools come to Moab because of just to see the rocks. Yeah. And I talked to Lee Shenton just before this about Utah Raptor State Park. I mean, how amazing that we have a university and a world-class paleontological site where you don't have to create that museum it exists just by taking transport. And that's what I find. That's why I've always thought this area is just ripe for that. It's got a live action classroom, you know. Yeah. And you're and the base of I, operations at the campus in a way. Yeah. That's my, that's kind of my dream. We've actually been um, working on that. So we have hired uh, one. So I would like to expand that natural resources, public land kind of piece, because I I think that that's that's something that we can grow and we can attract for those programs potentially um just if we could find a place for folks to live but, well, but that, um, that will come with the university too because i'm sure that some part of the development will include dorms at some point that we we won't we don't we're not in oh, the somebody will here. build dorms yeah yeah so um sitla there's a master we have a master plan and sitla has um i i my understanding is that they have a contractor on um, hired already to, uh, um, we have a master plan that they're going to have housing around the campus. So we have a 40 acre parcel up there and the, the land around it is, is Sitla and that they should be developing, um, housing, which would be a place for students to live. Well, housing, I, I, I have recollections long time since I was in university many years, but I do recall going to London in the summer to work. And where do you find affordable housing in a big city like London for the summer months if it isn't student accommodations that the kids aren't in school and, mm -hmm. the, you know, the developers, that's what they do. They just rent the places out year round. So they're never not occupied by, you know, even visiting students in the summer months. So, you know, it's a win-win situation. I mean, it's you build it, you know, the university is there. It, the master plan is in place, which is wonderful to hear that, too, because a lot of people don't realize there is a master plan for that area beyond the university, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I want to make clear, though, too, that our um, for uh, the statewide system for Utah State University as the land grant institution is we we do outreach outreach. So if there are places that are not being served by another um, higher education institution, then we come in there and and it's it's our job to serve those folks. And that's what a regional campus is like ours in, in Moab. And so we're here to serve the, the people that live here. Um, and so, you know, we're in theory, people already have a place to live, but clearly it's a very big challenge, right? Well, to, I mean, there are, you know, there are the locals that might, because the campus is more prominent now, might actually think about higher education. And I would imagine that having the campus that you see, it's very visible too. I mean, you said the uh, ivory tower, but people see it. So scholarships might start developing and who knows, you know, the kids that are starting in elementary school now, when they finish high school, perhaps it's a different realm for them and it's, it's, it's more accessible for more people. And I think exactly. Yeah. And, you know, one, one thing I want to discuss, too, is the, the desire of this county to diversify its economy. And if the university is not that diversification in the sense that it's a resource, it's a limitless resource, too, because it's not like you will run out of teaching things. It's not like oil that might eventually just eventually be gone. Education is perpetual. And yep. it, so in a way, you're start planting the seeds for, I don't know, I mean, imagine 20 years from now. What do you see? <laughs> well, let's get through next month. How's that? That you, sounds good. <laughs> what, 
why don't you tell us some details? Because it's a very exciting day on the first day of April. Yes, um, April 1st, on April 1st, no fooling, we are having our ribbon cutting for the new building. And um, a few weeks after that, we'll start moving in after that. And um, on May 9th is our first day of summer classes. And so we'll be open for summer, right? Um, first fully functional up at the new place and out of the old. Um, so uh, at this event on April 1st, uh, it will begin, there's sort of three parts to it. There at 3.30, we'll begin a ribbon cutting ceremony where you know the president Cockett will be here um, to talk a little bit and we'll have uh, other local folks um, uh, saying a few words and then the ribbon will be cut and we will enter, you know, folks can enter the building and for about an hour, uh, explore the facilities and we'll have um, faculty, our, our local faculty and maybe students and alum um, talking about specific programs in those spaces. So for example, we'll have uh, Connie Wilson as our um, one of our nursing faculty and she'll have students in our brand new Moab Regional Hospital nursing classroom. And so people can learn a little bit about or see at least what we're doing in this building and what kind of learning goes on. Um, and uh, Grand County Extension, which is one of our USU partners, um, they are going to be in this building as well. And so they'll have things going on for um, uh, sharing. I'm hoping that they have a demonstration kitchen, which is, which is brand new for them. And so I'm hoping they'll have some kids in there cooking something that smells delicious and yummy while people are walking around, see how that kitchen works and those kinds of things. So um, we'll have students and advisory council members um, and folks sort of serving as docents. You can look for them and they'll answer questions and engage with the public as they're wandering around. We'll have a little bit of music and, um, and snacks out on the patio. Um, and uh, then at five o'clock, we will have another little ceremony to, to sort of at the end of this event, um, burying a time capsule that will be opened in 2072. That's 50 years from now. I'll only be 111, so <laughs> when that gets opened up. So I'm super excited. It's funny, you just mentioned some things about how um, it would be you know, really nice for the, the, the kids that are in elementary school to be coming, right? And so I think you know, some of the, the contributions for the time capsule are um, uh, HMK Elementary School. Uh, the sixth graders so far are working on some posters of their advice to folks in the future. Um, and, we'll, and we'll be put, putting photos of those posters in the time capsule. Um, we me, have uh, a I, bunch I of- just, I just want to ask about the yeah. time capsule. Is there yeah. room for like a CD in there from the radio station with the music of the of the year? That year? would be awesome. Okay, yeah. now you've made so me think about we've something. We've actually had some recommendations not to use technology because if you think oh. about 50 years ago, right? But we are going to have an electronic version of it. So maybe we can, we can keep, well, we'll put the CD in there and then in case when they will, well, open you know, it up. I, I might not last. I mean, I don't know how, I, how secure is this time capsule? Is it airtight and such? Is it? Gonna, yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. And I'm going to do chemically. So it uses the, you know, it, it'll, we're, we're copying everything on cotton paper. That's, so we're, 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 we're treating it very special. So we hope that it survives, but there will also be a digital version, okay. but it's kind of cool. It's a, um, at the USU libraries in a, a platform that's called digital commons. And you can search this platform and find that there is a USU Moab time capsule, but you cannot open the files until 2072. <laughs> Let me ask you, um, just as a side question, you got the new building opening up, but the, um, the hospital here is also going through a major um, mm -hmm. 
Is that going to tie into USU too and its development? Can you maybe spill the beans on the future there a little bit? Well, you know? we, well we, we certainly have a, a partnership um, uh, with the hospital. Um, they, they helped with the facilities, you know, because we were having to do some fundraising to get that building built and, and they pitched in. And so the, um, the, we've named the nursing classroom for Moab Regional Hospital. Um, and we have a close, we have a facility in there. Um, we have a space in their facility that is a teaching um, uh, clinic or teaching room. Um, and they have a simulator in there and we do some of our class classes and um, rotations and students uh, based out of that room. And so we have, we already have a really good relationship in terms of uh, helping each other. You know, we, they help us, you know, bring, bring students and provide clinical experiences and we educate nurses who they sorely need, you know, as a, for employment. So is, is that what I mean, let me ask this. I mean, obviously, the university is going to open. It's going to start small. I mean, it's it's like everything done mm -hmm. well. You start really small and it just gradually grows. But I would imagine the programs you'll be offering will be very similar to what was an offer this year. Yeah. So we already have a lot to offer. If you go to <laughs> moab.usu.edu okay. and you'll click on the um the degrees and classes there's a place that lists all of the degrees that we have and it's it's always being updated and so there's always more and more um but something with the the building um some progress let's say we have i think about 60 degrees and certificates you can get um but the new ones we'll be able to offer because of that facility um is because we uh we never had welding before Right, we're going to have welding. We're going to have That's building awesome. construction because now we have these facilities that are hands-on required. Um, so, because we're serving as a technical college now, um, thanks good. to the legislature with some ongoing funding, and so we have a lot of new programs. We also have. Uh, Something that's new um, is some labs for more health professions, like um, to be surgery technician or a pharmacy technician, um, medical assisting. Those things are new that we couldn't do before. We had them going, but you had to travel actually to Blanding for that facility. Mm -hmm. So we have that now. Let me let me just kind of I'm just want to come back. I mean, it's interesting. The last two years, I mean. I, there was no there was no pandemics going on when I went to university. And I just don't know how that's taken its toll on you know two years. I mean a whole a generation of, of kids and mm -hmm. restoring the value of in person teaching. And I know you've unfortunately you can do this Zoom thing, which has made things you know quite accessible. But mm -hmm. part of a campus is that social interaction with the fellow students and your professors and the faculty. So, I mean, is there a certain you know, level of excitement of coming out of a pandemic and here you have a brand new university where people can celebrate and just being with each other again? That's what I'm kind of, you know, the excited about, I think. I, I'm really, I'm really excited about that too. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we still need to be careful because COVID's sure. not gone. We're not totally past this, but um, uh let me just ask about that, you about your opening, because it is um, one of the first, I was going to mention, that's one of the first in-person events that we've had, where potentially there's going to be a lot of people there. So should, we, should we not tell I'm us? A little, I would like if, if people, you know, I mean, it, it's a smart thing to do to wear a mask when you're inside, but we'll try to, we'll try to have, that's, we have music and food to help coax folks outside too. Um, and it's just an hour. So hopefully that's not, you know, as, as much time. Um, so we try to keep it short to try to keep things safe. But sure. um, I think, you know, if masks are encouraged and welcomed and um, 
there's food and, and music outside and, and we'll have some fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It's really- Especially since our groundbreaking got canceled. We were ready to do that in November and that, that got canceled. What's going to happen when the word's out that Moab has USU in town? Do you not foresee that there's going to be a demand for people that just want to get an education in Moab as well? I mean, I realize the, 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 the intent of the university, but in the future, don't you foresee that this might be a potential destination campus too? I do, especially for the natural resource type things where that we could potentially grow here um, programs. Uh, that's sort of my dream that is to have um, a, some kind of a public lands. Uh, Think tank. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We do or have the USGS here, which is interesting. You know, there are some big branches of the federal government like the USGS. Yep. That's mm-hmm. scientific, you know, yep. so they're here. Yep. Something, an example of, um, you know, I, I mentioned before that uh, we've intentionally been trying to grow our natural resource um, uh, faculty here, right? So we hired, um, right at the start of the pandemic, um, uh, Dr. Wayne Freinman, and he's a recreation resource management person, and he's already doing a bunch of stuff to help with, um, to, to gather data for um, the, the new state park, um, as well as the, the Arches National uh, park to help them understand their um, their traffic, their their tourism traffic. Um, so one of the things about a university is not just the students, right? The the benefit. I mean, it's obvious that we provide education to the community, and so that to ele- educate and elevate the community in that way. But another thing that's amazing about a university is that we have these faculty here that have these expertise. And I think one of the benefits of a research university like Utah State University is that we have these faculty who um, do their discipline and provide data and information that can help managers make, make informed decisions. We're not the policymakers. We don't say what to do, but we can provide information and help that. And so Wayne Freiman is, is doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, our social work faculty, Jen Evers, she has her students in the community. Um, you know, if she weren't physically here, you know, those students would, wouldn't be doing social work out in the community and helping and, and learning in a, in, a, in a real way um, what it is to do so- social work, which in turn helps the community by providing these students doing these projects. And then they become embedded and committed to a community. And so I really think having the faculty here is something that we don't talk about a lot, but it's something that is very impactful. I have this um, other dream for the community. The winter months are always kind of detrimental to the numbers of visitors that come to this community. But if there was educational seminars taking place with the faculty for research, people not, you know, beyond students, actually geologists coming here and say, let's have a geology conference in Moab in January, and they'll say, let's go. You know what I mean? So there's, that might be another way to help, you know, fill in those empty hotel rooms. And, and in the winter months, they're much cheaper, Liana, so it's much more affordable for higher education to do conferences in those months of the season, just as a, another economic diversification thought there. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just so excited that it's really happening, and the future's really bright. But we're going to get down to the details again. Just kind of remind people about the event and anything else you want to do before I have to depart. We have to depart from the interview this evening. Well, I, uh, there, so there's three ways to be involved in this event, right? One of them is to attend, 
right? The, the ribbon cutting itself. But before that, we can even sort of start uh, having some fun. I mentioned that the time capsule, um, I, I'm, I would like to speak to the entire community, anybody who's listening. If you have some story, especially if you're a USU alum, but even if you're not, if you have some cool story about some experience or, or something about what's going on now, the guidelines are asking that we, uh, all of the um, contributions, submissions to this time capsule speak to the Moabites of 2072, right? So what, and we want to let, imagine you're opening this time capsule in 2072. What do you want to know about these people who put these things in there, right? What stories do they have to tell? I mean, oh my gosh, this last two years has been incredible. We've had fires and murders and pandemics and there's, a, you know, another war starting and this is an incredible time. And yet, you know, and worrying about drought and, you know, there's a lot of worries but there's also a lot of wonderful stories of people, you know, coming through here and having a great time and learning about the desert, you know. Um, so what story do you have that you would like to tell Moabites of 2072, right? I, um, we're getting some really great contributions. And so if you have a story, please let me know. Um, we're, we're sort of having an approval process just to make sure things are aligned with, you know, fit into the project and both um, uh, form it, uh, in terms of format, but also physically fit into this box, right? Um, so, so stories. If anybody has a story, let me know. Um, and uh, and then the third way that you can get involved is um, to donate to a the Moab Community Scholarship Fund because that is um, we were thinking about ways to get the community involved, and we could have you know we could have bricks, we could have something with people's names, but. I, I, I sort of felt like, you know, we are about educating folks and there's some folks who have, you know, we have other scholarships, but this would be a really nice way for everyone to pitch in. If you have $5, if you have $5,000, if we can hit our $25,000 mark, the scholarship will be endowed and that you can be part of this scholarship fund that will be hosting, you know, paying for us towards a student's education forever. Wow. Right. And I thought that'd be fun. That's great. And don't forget on April 1st up at the campus, tell you what time does that begin? Starts at 3.30. 3.30. Be there. Uh -huh. USU here now and forever. Right. Leanna, mm -hmm. we won't be here forever, but the university will be, right? Yep. Isn't that the goal, right? All right. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much for all you've done to bring this into reality. It's so exciting for our community, especially coming out of COVID to see a new campus sparkling up on the hill there. It's just exciting. Thanks, so Leanna. All the information is at moab.ucu.edu slash new campus. Awesome. We expect our educators to keep us informed. Thanks, Liana. Thank you, Howard. Thank you very much. I'm going to just say goodnight to Liana there and goodnight to you listeners out there. Again, thanks for being part of this um, uh, broadcast this afternoon listening. I'm sure Molly will have this up at the website in podcast form for those that missed it. And I would like to thank Lee and Liana, no pun intended between these two, to be on the show this evening and look forward to having them as guests down the line in the future too. Um, again, thanks for listening. Keep it tuned. News, um, word of the day, Democracy Now!, KZM New News and more.